Lauren, take it away. I can do the intro, but I had to stall for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. Did he just do the intro? And we're already recording or am I starting the show? Go ahead. You can start the show. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Hello and welcome back to Restless. This is Lauren Doyle joined with Father Joseph Gill and Paul. And we are here today to talk about what does it mean to be a disciple? Paul's like Cher. He doesn't have a last name. I don't. I'm just Paul. He's just Paul. Yep. True. I, I don't want to reveal his last name because no, he likes to be mysterious. Very top secret. Yes. Paul might not even be my real name. You have no idea. Actually, I really don't. I've well, never. We know never you're called you. Saul when you misbehave. So I do. that. It's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's probably- my name. My name is not Saul. I mean, I've I never met anybody named Saul. Have you? Yeah. Have you really? Yeah. Jewish people. Oh, okay. That's common Jewish. I can't say that I really knew too many Jewish people. Oh. In fact, I wish I did because I've never been to a bar mitzvah. Oh, I have. Those are great fun. Well, I've heard they're very long. Not the one I went to. No? It was not reform. It was in a conservative synagogue, which are a conservative synagogues are dwindling. Mm. They're kind of like the middle ground, right? Yeah, yeah. So like most have gone either more reform or more more orthodox, but in any case. And so it wasn't, I mean, it was like an hour. I don't know. That's not too bad. Yeah, they read the Haftorah and then. Okay. And then they had good food? I mean. But it's probably all kosher. <laughs> no, it wasn't. This was a very loose family. Oh, was Actually, it? I don't think any of it was kosher. I mean, like they had ELT. Like, they had like pepperoni pizza, which is not. Oh, no. That's a no-no not, for kosher. Pork and the pepperoni, too. But, yeah, yeah, you can't mix meat and cheese. Yeah. You're an Orthodox Jew. Yep. I went to one bat mitzvah. Did you? So I'm glad I got to go to one. I bet you would love it. I bet I would. I could actually see you also just becoming friends with Jewish family and just them bringing you in the way all these Catholic families do. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. They probably be cool. I'm kind of a little bit friends with the, the rabbi here in Stanford. Which because, one? Uh, at the... Rabbi Daniel Cohen over at uh, Congregation Agudath Shalom. Yeah, that's right. That, he, uh, that building is a historic landmark. It is. It's a really yeah. kind of a cool building. He, every year he gives a tour to my, the scripture class where I teach. And we, we tour it. And, oh, and cool. the boys love it because they get to wear yarmulkes. Right. You have and they to. actually take the yarmulkes home with them. Yeah. So I've been seeing for like the last month boys showing up to school in a yarmulke. These totally Catholic boys. It just makes me laugh. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now that we have, now that we have discussed uh, Judaism. nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but as Lauren said so eloquently, uh, we're talking about discipleship today. Because that's kind of a buzzword in the church, especially over the last uh, few, I don't know, years, decade or so. Like, what does it mean to be a disciple? How do you define discipleship? Because I think you can be in the church and maybe not a disciple. You can maybe be out of, out of the church and be a disciple. Like, what does it mean to be a disciple? How would you define it? My first reaction is a follower of Christ, but you could be a disciple, I think, of not Christ, right? But you're still, I think, the, the aim is always holiness, right? So there were disciples within the Jewish faith. Sure. John the Baptist had disciples. Yes, and disciples of rabbis, right? So this is a common thing, I think, um, even going beyond religion, right? If you're an apprentice of someone, that's, I think, a form of discipleship, right? It comes from learner, right? Discipulos. It does. Just learner. Yeah, learner. Yeah. And it's, it's so you have rabbi and disciple. That's how I always interpret it from like an Old Testament yeah. context. I've always been fascinated by the etymology because it's, it's connected with discipline. Mm, so one right. who learns a discipline is a disciple. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, and... and it makes, I don't know, like, it makes me amazed, like, you see people that are so into following maybe a sports team, or mm-hmm. like, you know, like the Grateful Dead. Deadheads. The Deadheads. Yep. 
Like those guys would like, I mean, they would do, they like, they quit their jobs and just yeah. like go around and. Same with the fish people. Oh, from PH, yeah, ISH? Like, yeah, that's the one, yeah. 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 And, and that's, that's the kind of discipleship that I wish we as Christians had. Some do. Some do, but not as many as should. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's an interesting concept, right? Because when you go to a rock concert, especially, it is almost like a religious experience. Mm. I'm not saying it is. Maybe it is for some. Well, Jerry Garcia, I remember saying, reading an interview one time when he said, music is our sacrament hmm. from uh, Grateful Dead. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's the same with sports as you were touching oh, on, yeah, same where yeah. there are people who are watching SportsCenter every day, following podcasts on players for fantasy, right? Setting their lineup every week when it's football season, watching games constantly, attending games in person, and the enthusiasm like and like the reactions to what's happening, right, are so intense. And it's not just like... Um, supporting the team. It's my team. We're going to win this year. I can't believe we lost. I right? It's like they are, they become so invested in it. It's a huge following. I don't know if that's discipleship, but sure looks it's, like it. It's like a, it's a misattachment, right? Like you're, I think you're just attaching to the wrong things. Do you ever see that in the Frisbee world or is that not really present um, there? People like live well, Yeah, people breathe. are, yeah. For sure. People who are so into it, playing multiple nights a week on competitive teams, traveling for it. We've got our own podcast, you know, just absorbing tons of content. Mm. And this was a huge part of my life for many years, too. So, yeah, I can relate. I guess with with the teams, you know, the professional teams, they're not as widely known. So I don't know if you have. Oh, in Ultimate? Ultimate, Well, if you were in Ultimate, you know. You know the top teams. You know the history. You know who the players are. You, you know, we watch. You know the trades per se. This yeah. person moved to this team, hmm. so th- there is a very strong culture. But if you're not in it, you won't know anything about it. Of course. Yes, that's true. Lauren and I have a mutual friend named Tommy, mm-hmm. who uh, who's who's in it. He's in totally it. in it, and he would UNC Wilmington. Yeah, he's playing playing in college, gonna be drafted. I mean, by the pros, and it's really, it's cool. To say, hey, we knew him when. You may know Tommy. You just added Paul. me on LinkedIn today, actually. Tommy? Tommy DeMarkey? Do I know him? He used to come to youth group oh, okay. way back in the day. But Oh, it's oh, yeah. oh yeah. I remember him. Yeah, no, yeah he's yeah. he's big into big into Frisbee. And, that was like and, years ago though. And he would he would do that same thing. He'd be like, hey, did you see that that trade that that uh you know this <laughs> such and such team made to the New York Empire? And I'm like, What what? Like I like playing Frisbee, but <laughs> like yeah. no, I don't follow them. And what was nice for me is that ultimate has always been like its own thing and there's very few people who are faithful who i know in the sport and i've been involved in it longer than him and i was a part of the new york empire and then he joined to work for the team so now when i go to a game and i see him there it's like such a delight because it's someone that i know in a catholic context and through you but it's in an ultimate setting yeah yeah it's kind of trying to bridge that gap yes and i'm like yes there's another one like there's another catholic person here so I think with sport, I think sports is a little different though than when you talk about, I think rock, I think following, not rock, but like following a band is a little bit more like that because sports, there's an element of competition and like you don't go to mass and like really view the, the company. I mean, there are, we are fighting the demons and there's, you know, that. But oh, I can't not, tell you how many people are like, I like this priest homily better than that one. Yeah, I guess. But <laughs> is that not, competition. You're, not, you're, not, you're also not having a, a homily debate. No, that's true. After the gospel. So. That would, 
That'd become interesting, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> there was there was one time. Mm-hmm. There's one time I was I finished uh, the, my homily and a woman got up and said, "I would like to disagree with the second reading today." The whole reading. The whole reading. Oh, okay. It was St. Paul saying, you know, husbands uh, love your wives and wives obey your husbands. Oh, that one. So she, she took Ephesians issue five. with that. Yeah. that. That's not what I preached about. So I was like, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to comment on that in the middle of Mass. Let's move on. Yes, let's do that. Anyway, um, I think with sport, sports, I think, is, is, a, has, is a replacement because we're naturally attracted to competition as humans. That's what we do because we have a little bit of an animalistic in, in, instinct. And I think sports is a controlled way that we can we can experience competition. And um, I think that's in a, that's in a way that's not going to like kill people. Yeah, true, true. I mean, it could. Oh yeah, some it doesn't. Some it's, not, it's not intended to. You you know UFC or yeah, I mean, mixed martial arts stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But but I think there's a desire in sports, especially, and even in rock concerts, there's a desire to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what people, gets people swept up is because like they it's something epic that's way bigger than their their, their small life. And and if you can find that in Christ, yeah. which you should, the truly epic story of Christianity that like no, there's actually like an eternity that hangs in the balance here, and you play an unmistakable role in that. Yeah. I would say that my, when I was young, I was attracted naturally to the pageantry of going to mass. Looking back on it, our church was not pe- pageant-like, but mm. but even the small microcosm that we had in our suburban Connecticut church was. I was always attracted. That was the first. That was when people asked me like, "Well, where does where do you remember?" And I was like, I, "That's what I remember most from my earliest days is to pageantry." And I was always attracted to that because mm. it's bigger than me, and there's an order and a form to it. And you're in a big place. And yeah, and rich symbols. Symbolism, yeah. You know, the movements that mean something. And I think, unfortunately, most people who are in the church aren't living the faith fully. They're not fully alive in the faith. They're going through the motions. They're there because they know that they're supposed to be. But I think many people lack um, true understanding of what is happening uh, and a personal relationship with Christ, which I think would set them like more aflame for Him, right? Um, so that's a that's a phrase that, especially in the Catholic context, has really come into vogue. That personal relationship with Christ, which I think is the essence of discipleship. But how does one develop a personal relationship with Christ? First, recognize that you can have that. Right, that's fair. Which a lot of people don't. You, know right, that, you, yeah. most people they go to mass and it's like you listen to some stories and you get the wafer and you go home. It's true. A lot of people, I mean, that's just what most people do. Yeah. And they might enjoy it, which is good. But there's more to it. There's more to it. Yeah. And I think once you start going down that path, it's very hard to stop from what I found. But I think a lot of people are scared. They're scared about what it might mean for their life. It's scared about what they might mean for their the way they interpret the world. And I think a lot of people are hesitant. They've put up a wall. It's like, well... I'm living this way of life and I'm living this way. And if I, I know that if I go deeper, this is what it's going to mean for my life. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. My life, my relationships, what I do for a living, whatever it might be. And I think a lot of people are scared about that. I don't think they should be because whatever they discover is going to be greater than what they have now, likely. Right. Christ gives you life. It doesn't take it away. And and it's going to be hard. Yeah. Mm Because you'll have to embrace your cross and climb and climb calvary and all that and true and that's hard true. but it's salvific it's worth, it's worth it yeah. yeah but you know i think you're right i i talk to people all the time especially of an older generation and i'll say to them you know you know like in confession or other contexts i say do you pray and they say yes i say my prayers mm-hmm. and i'm like that's those are two different qu- things right 
to say one's prayers is simply just to recite words. Now, I mean, I'm not saying you can't have a relationship with Christ outside of the Hail Mary and the Our Father. That's that's great. And the rosary, of course, is a huge part of my own life. But but do you pray implies that you can actually like talk to Christ from your heart, which is what the essence of a relationship is. Mm. And I think especially of an older generation, that's that's may not be on the radar screen as a possibility. Yeah, because you might have not been brought up that way too. So it's not necessarily people's fault. No, it's not. It's not. And I wouldn't say the church has been particularly accommodating or particularly instructive in that aspect until now. I think there's a bigger emphasis around that. That's why adoration is becoming more popular. There's more people that are looking for those opportunities to learn. Right. Um, And we have a lot of great priests that are helping people in that. And also lay, lay leaders too. Yeah, and that's that. I think is the, is a drawback to the mass. Not that mass could have a drawback; it's the infinite, perfect worship. But mm. but the mass is scripted. You know, it's not free form prayer, right? Nobody has the opportunity just to stand up and be like, "I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to say this." You know, like <laughs> which and it's a good thing, right? That that you yeah. don't do that because then you get all kinds of wacky, bizarre stuff. But you know, our Protestant brothers and sisters, their prayer is very free form. Yes. Right? They'll gather in small groups and just be like, you know, this is what the Holy Spirit's lead, lead, you know, laying on my heart for right now. Yeah. Beautiful. You had that at Steubenville, though, I'm sure. Prayer groups and oh, intercessory yeah. prayer and all that. And yeah. even here in our diocese here in Bridgeport, we yeah. have many groups that do that. That's great. Yeah. Prayer teams. Prayer teams, yeah. I was with Lauren on a prayer team last month. That's right. Was that, was that your first time doing prayer teams? Yes. What was your experience of it? Well, there was a bit of a lead up, so I'll I'll share that as well. Um Maybe even a year ago, someone talked to me about coming to an intercessory prayer meeting. And so I was open to it um, and interested. Uh, my spiritual director actually told me, like, not yet. Um, but it, she didn't end up inviting me either, this this woman that had mentioned it. And then when I went on my mission trip to Jamaica, one of the fellow missionaries shared that her mother was recently diagnosed with cancer. And um, she just found out before she flew down for mm-hmm. our trip. And so she was about to head back to the United States to tackle, you know, okay, it's time to talk to the doctors and make the appointments. And her mother didn't even know yet because her mother was Spanish speaking. And so her daughter got the information from the doctor herself and wow. had to go home and share it. So it was very heavy burden, right? And this weight and... Uh, you know, you could just feel like what, what she was about to walk into. So after that happened later that night, the two women that led that missionary trip offered to pray with her and I was there and I knew I should stay for that. Um, so I experienced their prayer over her and it was so beautiful. I was amazed at just everything they were saying, you know, I just stood there and they had their hands on her shoulder, but I just... I just stood there and kind of witnessed and was trying to intercede right through my presence, like just helping support this prayer that was being done. So then I went to Heart to Heart, the adoration night at Father Joseph's parish, and that same woman came up to me and said, would you like to be on a prayer team? And I said, do I have to say anything? (laughs) She said, no. So I said, okay, I'll do it. Because I've been prepared for this, Mm -hmm. right? And I've had a desire for it, but I feel unsure, right? And that it's me stepping out of my comfort zone. And I don't know what to say. I haven't done much just praying from the heart in front of people. I recite my prayers, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> at least vocally um, in the presence of others. So I joined, it was Father Joseph and Liz Sweeney 
And I got to listen to the two of them. And I was comfortable at this point putting my hand on their shoulder. And then my left hand, I just kind of had it raised up like towards heaven. Like I want to receive what God is giving and just try to, excuse me, help bring it to this person. Right. That's what I understand. It's like there's no power within any of us. Right. Or when you see people put their hands up towards someone that may look kind of odd. I always thought it did. But it's it's like asking God to come forward and share his grace for this person. You know, that's all what we're doing. Um, and then I eventually started saying things very quietly. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, the person, I might be a distraction now. So then I just got more, I just kind of went for it. And um, then Father Joseph left because he had to conclude and people kept coming. And so that was a real, another, I was nervous. Like, oh gosh, I real I'm going to have to say something now because Father Joseph isn't here and you know, you and Liz were both excellent, but I did it. You did. I did yeah. it. And one woman, when I was saying stuff for her, you weren't there, I think. She was saying, amen, amen. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Like it's, it's, I'm it's channeling. God yeah. is coming through here, right? Because it's not me. I'm out of my comfort zone, but I'm trying. So. But what a perfect example of having that living relationship with Christ. Just being yeah. able to speak from your heart to Christ in your own words. Christ mm-hmm. is alive. Amen. That is the key. I think many Catholics are walking around with dry bones. Like they go through the motions, but they aren't living as if Christ is alive, even if they logically know it in their head, right? Because it it is logical, but they're not fully in it, right? This is off topic, but have you you been seeing what's going on down in Asbury Asbury University? No. No. Really? Oh, you guys got to check this out. So so about maybe a week or so ago, um, they had this little small gathering of college students, and I think it's a Christian university, and um, it's just a, a little talk, and all of a sudden, like, the Holy Spirit flooded that place, and nobody left, and they've been there for over a week, and thousands and thousands of people have traveled to that university because there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right there, mm-hmm. and people are encountering Jesus, and like, spontaneous prayer groups are starting, and... Um, you know, they're reading scripture and they're singing songs just out of the blue, just on their mm. own. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So that kind of... You know. It's very encouraging too, because I can say I've doubted, like even at youth group, like there are certain things that we may do where it's like, all right, let's see what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Like, for instance, having the kids randomly choose a saint. Like, is the saint that they choose randomly going to resonate with them or are they just going to be like, oh... Who's that? First one I picked her. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, will it actually connect with the kids or not? And I'm feeling like, well, I'm facilitating this, so therefore it's not going to work because it's me. It's going to fall flat. And then I watched kids pull out saints that meant something to them. Like, I witnessed girls pick out Blessed Carlo Acutis and say, Mm. we were just talking about him. So I was like, yes. (laughs) And then John Paul picked... St. John Paul, too, right? <laughs> there you go. And so he was kind of like, yep, fingers, right? Like, but there were little moments. So I don't know. I think we can just doubt or we're, like we're just acting like Christ isn't alive. Like he's not going to come through. But if you do something, if you're open, you just don't know. Like have that optimism. So what is the first step? If a Catholic's listening to this and they're like, yeah, for my entire life, I've just been saying prayers and now I want a living relationship with Christ. Where, where do you go to find it? What do you do? I think number one, start talking to God beyond your prayers. It's awkward, I think, at first at least. Because at least for me, I'm always like, well, God knows everything already. 
like he knows what I'm thinking, like my internal dialogue that's constantly running. Or if I'm frustrated with something, I want to vent to my parents or my cousin or, you know, people specific in my life. But I'm like, no, let me talk to God about this one. And it feels weird, but mm. it's kind of breaking down a wall and, and pulling myself out. And I would also say too, like, you know, if you're someone that like lays in bed maybe and you just say your quick prayers before, maybe get out of bed and like kneel, like do something that's a little bit more effort. Yeah. Put a little more effort in, in your prayer to God and that'll help you grow. And then beyond that, I would certainly say go to adoration. I think what you said is so true. Like you have to believe that, that you can, ha- can have a relationship and that the Lord wants a relationship with you. Yes. Because I think, I think yeah, I think the first step is a understanding that that is possible. Mm-hmm. Right? I, like I said, I think there's a lot of people that aren't there, but I think also finding somebody that you trust. It doesn't have to be a like a formal spiritual director, but I think somebody that can, even if it's a friend who you see as probably holier, just ask what they do. Ask people what That's you fair. do, you know, yeah. and and uh, and then do it. You have eventually you have to do things. You can't discern <laughs> to do things forever, right? Um, yeah. So I think you just have to do it, but it doesn't have to be. And I think it's also important that it doesn't have to take a a particular form or shape. Mm. Right. It doesn't have to be an adoration, although it's a good thing to do. It doesn't have to be kneeling at your bed, although it's a good thing to do. Um, it doesn't have to be long. It yeah. could be 30 seconds, but that's better than nothing. Sure. And maybe it'll build from there. I think it's just as long as you're honest with God, you know, as to what's going on, what where you are at, you're at in life. Yeah. You know. And also asking the Lord to help you. Yeah. Help me pray. Open my lips. Holy Spirit, open my lips. That's true. It says in Scripture that we do not know how to pray as we ought, but God sends the Holy Spirit to pray on our behalf. Mm. I've been encouraging more people to go to adoration, and you know, the last response I got back is, "Well, what do you feel when you go to adoration?" And I say, "You're not going to feel. You're not going to feel anything." Yeah, at you first. might. You might not. Well, who knows? To, in my experience, like you don't feel your soul. True. I feel my body. And I feel my feelings in my head or whatever, but my emotions, I don't feel my soul, but my soul is present within my body and I'm placing my soul before Jesus Christ, right? And I don't know if people fully even understand that, like Jesus is present before you. So you just want to place yourself in front of him and I don't think you will feel anything in the beginning, but when you continue to go back and back again and return you will change, okay? So Christ is restoring you. He's healing your soul. And he is coming more within you. Like, you know, he's, he dwells within us, right? I think he dwells stronger, if I can explain it that way. Um, and you will desire him more. Mm. You will want to go spend that time with him. And I think you'll have peace. Yes. That's a feeling that oh, you need. Yeah. What a great feeling that is. <laughs> also, be, be comfortable. Like a few things. So I think a lot of people when they go to adoration, I think that they feel like, well, I'm not actually, I'm just thinking about my day. It's just, I'm, I'm just, my mind is racing and I'm thinking about what happened today, what I have to do tomorrow, whatever, what I'm going to eat for dinner later. And I say, okay. Make that a prayer. Let it happen. So for me, like my hour, like it's, it's, impo- it's important. If you can get an hour, great. If you can't, whatever. But, um, the first 20 minutes of a holy hour for me is just letting my brain unwind. I can't not do it. I'm a high type A, high-stressed person, and I, I just need that time to just unwind my brain. And I just let it go. I just give it to the Lord. Just like, here you go. Take all this and do something with it. I don't know. Work your magic. Uh, and then I can actually – and then I might actually be able to pray. Um, what does that mean for you, praying? 
Uh, it could take a lot of things. I mean, I, I think it, it depends on my mood, I guess, but I would say I will talk to the Lord, I'll read scripture and then contemplate, could do contemplative reading of scripture, or pray the rosary, whatever it might be. But I need that 20 minutes at the beginning just to unwind my brain mm. and just let it go. And I, I've, I'm, I'm sick of like trying to squash it. And so I just stopped. I'm just like, well, that's the way it is. That's, mm-hmm. the, way I, that's the way I am. And and but that that can be an, an aspect of prayer. Yeah, it could be. You know. Yeah. I mean, and, and, prayer ultimately is where God meets your life. Right. Um, and so I would say, tell people like, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of being bored. It's mm-hmm. okay to be bored. Mm-hmm. Just be bored. What's the problem with that? Sure. You have nowhere to be. Let's go. Well, I mean, you, you look at two older, maybe an older couple that's been married for fifty years. I mean, they sit next to each other on the couch, holding hands, and don't say anything. And yeah. that's a great act of love. You know, just simply being in the presence of the person. Yeah. You love. Just be be bored. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Most people are, like I said, I, when we started this conversation, I think when people are taking a deeper step into discipleship, they're actually afraid. Hmm. They're afraid, they're afraid that if they go to adoration, they're not going to do it right, and they're going to be bored, and, and that's going to make everything worse. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's probably the evil one. And they're afraid they're going to be a religious nut, you know, one of those fanatics, Jesus fanatics. It's okay. Or they're afraid to actually encounter Christ, because that can be scary. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like anyone who's seen Christ, the disciples in the in the gospels, right? They're always like, whoa, right? They're like a little startled. Like yeah. people are not ready. We're not ready to face Christ in this life. Mm-hmm. Which I think makes sense because we're all sinners. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna face him when we die. Right. So we might as well going to experience that. <laughs> get judgment. to know him here. Yeah, mm-hmm. it only will help you. It will help your soul to do that now. And and then I think the other thing, Paul, that you were leading to is um, we know whether you like consciously know it or you know it because you've been in mass your whole life and you know the stories in the gospel, God and Christ, they challenge us, right? Christ challenges us to go beyond our comfort zone, to do things that we do not feel prepared to do, right? Because he doesn't call the prepared, he prepares the ones he calls. Mm-hmm. So that is automatically going to be fearful and... um you know, we, we doubt ourselves, like, I may screw up, I may not be perfect. Um, and I think that's a key, is that that there are disciples who are still sinners. Yeah, well, all of us. Well, most. I mean, all, Mary, really, right? all, I mean, all yeah. of us, right. all in, yeah. a, in a sense. So, but, I mean, yeah. but I mean, some people who really even struggle with, like, serious sin and addictions and things, and you can still be a disciple and struggle with an addiction. That's a great example. It's your cross. Yeah, for a and lot of And you're going to have, if, if you don't, you're, if, if you are encountering your addiction then that is your struggle. Right. And you can encounter Christ through that because that's what he did for us. Yeah. So. And I think, I think that's important because especially you know, a lot of guys that maybe struggle with pornography or something would say, well, I guess I'm not a disciple, I'm not a follower of Christ. I don't love him very much, right? Because I still struggle with this. And I'm like, no, the, the very fact that you struggle means that you love him. That you're not just like, I have thrown the towel, I don't care. I'll just, you know, yeah. do as much as I want. Right. No, no, no. Right. Like, I mean, the fact that you're fighting the battle, even if you lose a lot, you're still fighting. Mm. Yeah, and and then I think that's also where faith comes in, like believing that one day you can get over that sin. Yeah, if you if you keep working at it, because that's what Christ does. Like we don't do it; we don't accomplish uh, overcoming our sin. He does it in us, right? So that's why you persist. You keep going to adoration. You go to confession weekly. You know, if if it's a serious sin or habitual or something, and it happens in time, and not our time, right? God's time, right? I've got to share this saint story with you guys. Have you ever heard of uh, St. Mark Ji Tanjang? 
Nope. Probably pronounced that wrong. <laughs> no. He was a, a Chinese layman, a doctor, married, had a family and everything. And um, he ended up getting very sick. And so he prescribed himself opium. Mm. And unfortunately, he got addicted to it. And so even when he got better, he still kept prescribing himself opium. He recognized that this was wrong, that he was now addicted to this drug. And he would go to confession every week, every week, and still struggle with it and fall back into it and prescribe himself more and take more. Until finally, the priest in confession said, you're clearly not desiring to change your life, so I'm going to refuse your absolution. And he was pretty crushed, you know. But instead of leaving his faith and saying, well, forget this then, he said, all right, I'm just going to pray that somehow God will free me from this, you know. What ended up happening is that was around the time of the, the communist rebellion in China. And so the communists took all the Christians prisoner, including him. And so now that he's in prison, mm. he was kind of free from his his drug addiction, you know, couldn't really obtain the drugs. But, uh, you know, he didn't last very long in prison and he was eventually executed and he asked to go, he, he and his entire family were killed and he asked to go last so that he could be there to support the rest of his family as they all mm-hmm. got killed. But I think it's a great thing, you know, this is not somebody who ever overcame this addiction, really. I mean, he really had it till the day he died. You know, he for you know maybe a month or so he was clean, but that's kind of inspiring. He's now a saint. Do you know if he was able to get confession before that? I don't know, but I don't think it would matter. Because he shed his blood for Christ, mm, which okay. is the ultimate gift. Yeah. St. Mark G. Tianzhang. Mm. Probably pronounced that wrong. <laughs> but, no, it's a great example. And I think it also shows, like, sometimes we think things are impossible. Like, I can't do this. But you only know what you know right now, right? Right. And then it, it could change tomorrow. It could change later today. Like, God shows the way. And it, it's usually not the way that we think it should be or that it will be. Mm-hmm. And then you look back and you're like, wow, God's amazing. Yeah, his plan is always better. We yes. can only see it from eternity. Right. Well, the gospel today is about that. It's the, the possessed boy in the gospel of Mark. And the father says, if you can, please do something about this. And Jesus is like, if I can, everything is possible if you believe. And he says, uh, Rabbi, help my unbelief. Yeah. Or something like that. And I feel like we always have to qualify that because people are like, well, if you just believe, then you'll win the lottery or you know, mm-hmm. kind of the power of positive thinking type things. Like, yeah. Well, that's not God's will for you. God's will is for you to become a saint, mm. to be holy. And yeah. so everything that leads to that will be granted to you, which means that you may not get healed from your illness, even if you have great faith or this or that, because right. that can be a, a sanctifying thing for you, mm-hmm. your cross. So thanks for joining us in this episode of Restless. We talked a lot about being a disciple. So my challenge for you is be open to the idea that Christ wants a personal relationship with you and it's possible. All you have to do is, in your own words, speak with him every day. Spend a little bit of time, come to adoration, maybe in the silence of your room or your car. Just have that conversation. Bring your day to God, bring God into your day and turn your life over to him. Be not afraid. He's got something great planned for you and that is everlasting life. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. God bless you. Goodbye.